on this week's episode, James Bond has no time to die. CSI says, who are you once again? And it was actually Agatha all along. All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at Pop Culture Cosmos, the Inside Sports Fantasy Football Show, the Lakers Fast Break, Game Source, and of course, we are the number one tabletop RPG streamer on Facebook when it works. (laughs) When it works. And anything you can do to go ahead and support us, including the tremendous show Vampires and Vitae, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend. She is the mastermind, don't tell Rob, of the amazing Vampires and Vitae and also other tremendous tabletop rpg games that you can catch on pop culture cosmos on facebook she is an amazing individual indeed she is back once again to sit in the hosting chair as my fellow host because she can't take enough punishment i guess for each and every week (laughs) she is back once again it is my good friend indeed it is melinda barkhouse and melinda great to have you back on the program once again great to be here are you ready to talk some good pop culture this week? Because we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Yeah, I'm ready. One thing I do want to add, season two, already underway for Vampires and Vitae. Can you give us a heads up what's going on? Yeah. So our very first live stream happened this past Sunday. We started late and then the cameras were frozen for the first half of the episode. <laughs> I don't know why. We still haven't quite figured that out. But exactly, that was pretty much what happened. But when we went to the break, I accidentally tripped a button on plugs and it restarted my computer. And when we came back from the restart with the computer, the cameras worked. So that was a good thing, I guess. Anyway, the second half of it worked fine. The awesome news is that all of our audio worked. So the podcast, as usual, will drop this Friday. It releases at like 2 a.m. Pacific time. So you get it bright and early, like 6 a.m. on the East Coast. And the episodes are going to be everything that happens in the stream in one episode. So I believe this week's episode is just over about two hours. But you get to meet the new cast and you get into a little bit, at least a hint of the direction that the story is going in this year. So we're really excited about it. Oh, that was a good tease. But you need to go ahead and check out Vampires and Vitae. Please do so. Season two is now underway. It's going to be much more streamlined. There's good things happening again. Forward, so check it out wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, the live videotapings as they happen right here at the Pop 
culture cosmos. But I tell you what, it's going to be a great episode. We're talking a lot of great things. But first off, since no time to go, no time to die, hitting U.S. theaters this weekend after doing an amazing job worldwide so far at the box office, and it's going to get a lot more this weekend in the U.S. We're not sure how much. We still think it's going to do very well because this is Daniel Craig's last time around. And in honor of that, I brought on a guest that's coming on later in the show. It's going to be Steve Rubin, the author of the James Bond movie Encyclopedia. He's going to stop by to talk James Bond with me. It's one of my favorite subjects. I've watched the entire list of movies, and I'm just so excited to see No Time to Die. So we'll be talking about that. Plus, Melinda will have some thoughts on 007 here in a sec. Also, as well, we're going to be talking about some great things, including What If Episode 9, the finale for the season. We'll talk a little bit about that. And a big surprise came today, courtesy of Variety, getting exclusive on a new Marvel series that's coming. Is it what we wanted or is it something different? We'll talk about that coming up as well. Josh and I on our Pop Culture Cosmos show on Monday mentioned a whole bunch of musicals coming out for the rest of the year and also what has taken place during the course of the year. But we missed one that's coming to Netflix. So we'll talk about Tick, Tick, Boom coming up later in the program. Also as well, Far Cry 6 and Metroid Dread, they are hitting. And in fact, if you have a Nintendo Switch and uh, Xbox Series X, Xbox One, PlayStation 4, or PlayStation 5, you've got it or can get it in your hands right now because Far Cry 6 and Metroid Dread are both out and about in the wild. So we'll talk about the advanced reviews and thoughts on that coming up here at the end of the show as well. And the return of CSI Vegas. I'm not going to go into the who's who are you because I cannot hit that high note anymore, but CSI Vegas is here. It's now live. It's now being a part of the CBS schedule for 10 weeks. going to be 10 episodes this season. How excited are we? And how did the first episode look to us? We'll go ahead and talk about that on the back end of the show as well. But first, Melinda, it is James Bond's No Time to Die, which I am extremely looking forward to daniel craig has just won me over as a james bond is one of the best just incredible job that he's done your thoughts on no time to die as it's hitting u.s theaters it's done a tremendous job overseas being one of the biggest box office hits so far this year your thoughts on no time to die I am definitely going to see it in theaters and I'm definitely going to find the time to do it this weekend. I'm thrilled. Do you remember, like, I know everybody is lamenting about Daniel Craig and this being his, his last Bond movie, but do you remember the hoopla that started when it was announced that he was going to play James Bond and how people were upset that James Bond was going to be blonde? Do you remember that? Yes, I remember that. I remember like who was this Daniel Craig guy. They'd only yeah. known him from a couple different movies that he was in. The the first original Tomb Raider, I think, with Angelina Jolie. And he, yes. he did one of those young adult fantasy stories. I forget which one he did, but he did one of those type movies in the early 2000s as well. And he just really wasn't known for much. And then they're like, who is this Daniel Craig guy? To me, in the past, it was more of when he was first doing the movies like quantum solace and whatnot it was more okay we're going to go ahead and make a james bond movie and even though you don't know him we're selling you on james bond the character and we're going to bet that you're going to go to the movies because it's james bond yeah now it's come to the point where he has done such a great job of the role especially after skyfall 
mm-hmm. which was the, I think the best James Bond movie of them all. I think there's no doubt where he ranks among the pantheon of James Bonds. Yeah, I agree. And now it's time for us to lament him in his final movie. And I, yeah, I, I, I can't wait. I'm going to pre-buy my tickets and get to the theater with the big comfy chairs and recline with my popcorn and be ready to go. I'm so excited. look at you. So excited. And with Rob, I'm assuming, correct? Yeah, he can come if he wants. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> She lays such a smack job on her home husband, I'll tell you. You two are crazy, crazy kids. But it is James Bond's No Time to Die. I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen that's going to take place in there. There has been word that there's going to be no real search for a new James Bond until next year. They're going to let No Time to Die breathe because this has been a film that's been pushed back, pushed back, pushed back for a time it was going to be pushed back into 2022 and then they decided you know what we'll just go ahead and keep it where it is let me hear your thoughts on this once the dust has settled on this movie and it's just going now to be something that you'll see on streaming outlets and all that a few months down the line what are your thoughts on who will continue the james bond series who do you think should continue the james bond series Wow. I, I don't know. It, it's it's actually a topic that Rob and I have debated ad nauseum, to be completely honest. And I, Daniel I, Craig's comments on it have been a little bit controversial as well. Sure, sure. You know, I, I think he's probably too old right now to pick up the mantle of James Bond, but I would have loved to have seen Idris Elba pick up the mantle. Um, you and I both. Oh my God, he would have been so good. But I, I do think that he may be a little bit too old at this point to jump into the James Bond role. Maybe I'm wrong. I would love to be wrong because I would love to see that film. I would go to that in, I would buy tickets now, even if it didn't come out for seven years to go and see that movie. And perhaps this is a little bit controversial, but I don't want 007 to be played by a, a female. I Neither think that, does he. Yeah, no, I, I don't think that that's the thing that needs to happen. James Bond is the like ultimate male fantasy. That's how it was written. And I think that there are enough other ways for there to be movies that feature women in the the title roles, such as like let's bring back nikita i love nikita the or latasha of- lynch is now who in the movie yeah. she is the new 007 it is portrayed in the movie so yeah i i just i don't know that that needs to be a thing that they continue in and keep moving forward with she could be a 008 or a 006 but i think 007 should be a male movie at some point you know, there has to be a time when we stop putting high heels and tutus on G.I. Joe and expecting everybody to be okay with it. I think there are enough talented women, writers, directors, actors, to be able to come up with our own stories. And, and I think that that's what we need to do. I don't think that we need to do that coming into 007. Those well, are, that's my, yeah, that, that's, those are my thoughts. I know, please don't at me, please. I know people are already hollering. I can hear them at their computers. But honestly, I, I just think that 007 should be a dude. It's a male fantasy film and I, it's perfectly fine for that to remain as that. I don't think that it needs to be anything else. Well, it does to get to the point where whoever takes up the mantle of James Bond just has to make sure they continue that trend towards a more respectful James Bond towards women because you've seen some, I love Sean Connery in the role of James Bond. He'll always be personified as a James Bond and one of the best, if not the best James Bonds in many people's opinion. 
but the way he treated women in those early films, I look back on it now and it's just like, eh. Oh, they're so cringy. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, so cringy. But I, I think that the way that they have used Daniel Craig's 007 when it came to the women in the movies, I thought and felt was was more than fair. And I think that continuing to explore the emotional toll that being a super agent with a license to kill would take on somebody carrying the 007 mantle. I think that's the correct way to to move forward with Bond. I agree with you that there should be something that's set in stone going forward. A great part of it is the fan base. That's that's fine. But ultimately, the decision does not even lay with Amazon, who now owns the rights to James Bond. They've only got a 50-50 deal with the Broccolis. Uh, yes. And the Broccolis are the uh, actually Albert Broccoli. The late Albert Broccoli is the individual who wrote the James Bond character in the first place. And the heirs of his estate are the ones that are going to be continuing going forward. And ultimately will have the final final decision they had the final decision on daniel craig so many years ago now it looks like they will have the decision again next year when they start that search so i think tom hiddleston is, is obviously a good idea as well i know loki has been getting a lot of claim and he has that charm and savoir faire i thought idris elba i've been saying on this show for many years is a is a, just a natural for the role I think that there are several actors out there. About, I wouldn't be mad about Tom Hardy. I think he could do, he could pull off double his, his, Yeah, well, you, we know about you and Tom Hardy from I mean, last week. I mean. <laughs> what is it? Tom Hardy could be picking his nose. I think that was what you yeah, said. For, for two and a half hours and I would be Yeah, Yeah, yeah that's, that's um, what no, I remember. I do think that he could pull off the whole spy thing. I, I think so. I think he's a phenomenal actor. I mean, beyond my obvious crush on him. I, I really do think that he's incredibly talented. So I, I know that's probably an idea as well. So his name has been tossed and bandied about. I have a feeling ultimately that they'll go the non-star. I think they'll have an individual that they'll go that's unknown at this time or sure. relatively unknown. That's only had a few performances. I have a feeling they'll go that way again because it was so successful for them last time. I have a feeling they will not go the quote unquote name actor simply because, you know, obviously pay is the first thing because Daniel Craig from his first movie to his last movie, I'm sure he got a extremely large pay increase. Yeah. That's a nice raise right there. Yeah. Especially (laughs) after Skyfall, especially after Skyfall, it just, that was a big hit tremendous reception tremendous response and yeah i know he got the ka-ching once he uh, made that for the specter and now no time to die the latest two roles i know he probably got paid at a premium for those two roles i think that's translated for him to the knives out sequels where he's being paid you know reportedly and you know you could take that for whatever's worth around a hundred million dollars for those sequels for the knives out series so you, that's all stemming from his popularity as bond that's yeah. why he got the role in the first place it's a cause and effect there so i have a feeling they're gonna go after some young gish actor like late 20s maybe be my my guess someone that they can build a franchise around again for another four or five installments and then go from there i have a feeling that that's going to be the case yeah, I feel like it for a new series of Bond films, you probably shouldn't go past like early 30s in terms of age. 
because when you think about it, let's say 10 years, let's say, let's just pretend in a perfect world, we get a new Bond movie every two years. Let's say they do five of them. That puts them in their early 40s. And I think that's a good time for that Bond iteration to give way to, again, a, a new player. Well, Daniel Craig is in his late 40s. And this sure will be is. his yeah. fifth. Yeah. yeah. But we have seen you know, Roger Moore. He played the role until, well, oh, yeah, you know, I know. absolutely later, much a little later in life. And then Sean Connery returned to the role later in life in the unauthorized James Bond movie. We'll just say that yes. if you've seen that one. We've seen, like you said, these James Bonds play the roles later in life. I would like to see younger, you know, maybe a younger, I think would probably be a fresh start per se, I think would probably be good. Even though if you get Idris Elba, you know, you can't go wrong with that at all. Yeah. What are your thoughts out there on No Time to Die? You're going to go ahead and check out the movie this weekend at the theaters. And who do you think will become the next James Bond? I'm not saying 007 because Natasha Lynch currently holds that title. So who will become the next James Bond? Man? Woman? Young star? Established star? Let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. You've heard others, but nothing could prepare you for the shameful stupidity that is the Jock and Nerd Podcast. Witness the hubris as they claim to be the world's authority on comic book movies. Who said that? Never said that. We've never said that. Who cares? A jock said that. Comic book, TV, movie, reviews, news, and whatever they choose. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Jock and Nerd Podcast. Seriously, people really listen to this. Uh, jock and Nerd! Well, there's still much more to talk about on today's program. Melinda, what if finally came to an end with a cataclysmic battle between Ultron and the Guardians of the Multiverse as assembled by the Watcher? And there's some questions I have, but overall, your thoughts on it. I mean, did it end the way you thought it would? I mean, for me, it, it ended okay. It sets it up, obviously, for another season, which is going to be happening on Disney Plus maybe next year, maybe 2023. It depends because it takes a while. But I want to hear your thoughts on What If Episode 9. Like you said, I, I think that it it left the door wide open for another season, which I feel like they've been setting up for the last couple of episodes, to be honest. I yeah. just kind of had that feeling to it. Uh, so the fact that you were left with questions, I think, is very smart. And uh, I mean, Disney and especially with the the Marvel stuff, they're, they're no dummies. They know that people have been into this and they know that people want to see more. So I think it would have been a little bit silly to not leave the audience with questions at the end. I agree with you on that, but I do want to make sure and let everybody know that you saw Gamora was one of the guardians of the multiverse. She was a character that had her own episode planned, and you saw little bits of that in this episode. The thing was that there was supposed to be originally 10 episodes of the What If Season 1, but unfortunately the coronavirus delayed those plans and suspended a episode. They had to, The producers and showrunners had to make a choice between what episode they wanted cut. And so unfortunately Gamora's along with Iron Man, where she pals up with Iron Man, mm -hmm. that episode had to be cut. And they only showed some snippets of that episode within the confines of what episode nine you'll see. And if you see that, you'll check that out. But 
I think that the producer said that they'll go ahead and have Gamora have her own episode coming up for season two to make up for it. So looking forward to see what to do for her character. I do want to say that the watcher himself, outstanding, you know, anything he plays, he's a really good actor. And I like to see what he'll bring to the continued what if, and maybe if, if he'll be able to play a live version of this watcher in the MCU, I'd be really intrigued to see that. I think overall it was okay. I, I don't like the, the way that they treated Killmonger. First off, why was the Watcher picking him anyways for the Guardians of the Multiverse, knowing that he was someone that was had tendencies to go ahead and be on the bad side of things? Like he killed Tony Stark in his episode. He Spoiler, sorry. He, uh, <laughs> he, he, he went and he controlled the whole situation, manipulated the battle between U.S. and Wakanda. And... You know, to go ahead and say, okay, I'm going to choose you to become one of the Guardians of the Multiverse. Why did that take place? Because in the ultimate battle between the Guardians of the Multiverse and Ultron, there wasn't really much of a sighting of Killmonger. It wasn't until after the end where he tried to claim all the Infinity Stones for himself that it became apparent that he wasn't going to be working for the Guardians in the first place. So I, I kind of questioned that, but. Otherwise, I thought it was just basically your run-of-the-mill Marvel ending, which seemingly set it up for season two. But yeah, right now, all signs point towards the season two. But again, as a, to close it out for your end, what were your final thoughts on What If when you got a chance to check it out? I, well, I mean, I, I've been saying it all along. I have enjoyed it. I enjoy another take on the things that we have known. Would you like to see a season two? I'd love to see a season two. Absolutely. And it would be really interesting, I think. And Lord knows, I don't know how to write a story. So forgive me. But I would love to see, you know, a little bit of like a... a maybe a recruitment kind of situation where they bring in maybe some of the secondary Marvel characters into the what if universe. I don't know. I'm here for it. I'm excited for season two. I'm thrilled that there's going to be a season two. And yeah, I just thought it was a lot of fun to watch. Do you have a favorite episode? You know, I know it wasn't your favorite, but I really enjoyed the, oh my goodness. The first one? The first one. Yes. Thank you. Why can't I think of her name? Captain Carter. Well, yeah, Captain Carter, but I was going to use her first name. That was funny. Anyway. Oh, Haley Atwell? Uh, yes, thank you. Um, I, I just, I adore her, and I think that she deserves to be. She was much better to me in this episode. I really sure. liked her. So Yeah. I'm, 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 My daughter I'm, felt differently. It's kind of weird because we've kind of felt the opposite on that. She liked her a little bit more in episode one than this one. I kind of liked her in this one a little bit more than that one, but yeah, yeah. I thought she did pretty good. Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I, I'm, I'm enjoying the alternate takes on uh, the characters that we've known and and become so involved with for the last what decade or so. Exactly, but I, I personally, as my favorite, I'm going to go with Party Thor. Party <laughs> Thor is my favorite, yes. and the way he interacted in this latest episode as a remembrance of that, as he gave his battle cry, Vegas. Vegas, he shouted first time. And then the second time he went off against Ultron, he shouted, Viva Las Vegas, before trying to go and hit him with thunder and all his hammers and all that. That was helped out by Doctor Strange. And, and it was kind of funny, just the references to Vegas. It's Vegas all over the place this week for pop culture. But, oh, yeah. you know, it was just a lot of fun for me as a whole to watch the zombie episode I thought was kind of a different niche. I'm curious to see where they'll go for season two. 
I have a, a much better opinion on it, as I've said at nauseum in the past couple of weeks, almost apologizing to <laughs> everyone out there and Marvel and all that for saying that this wasn't worth your time in the first place. But now I say after watching it, it definitely is worth your time. It's, it's definitely something that's going to be very intriguing how they're going to incorporate that into the live action multiverse as far as it's concerned. So I'm very curious to see how the Marvel Cinematic Multiverse will be added on with all the stuff that's going on with What If. I want to see how much they'll sprinkle into that that concept. So we'll see how that plays out. But Melinda, it's just been a you know a great time watching it. I look forward to it. And you know, to me, I think the next step is to do what Star Wars has just done on Disney Plus with Star Wars Visions with the anime mm. and getting yes. the nine different anime creators just legendary anime creators to go ahead and create their own stories and if people have not checked out star wars visions i highly recommend it i would love to see a marvel visions i know they played and tossed around with anime before as josh has told me but i really like the thought if they could go ahead and refresh that again and just provide a different look sure yeah yeah i want to say it's roto animation but i I'm I for I'm almost positive that I have that term a little bit wrong, but I really enjoy the look, the stylistics of how what if looked. I liked it that style of animation. I enjoyed it. Well, before we head on out to the break and my conversation coming up with Steve Rubin, the author of the James Bond movie encyclopedia, I wanted to go ahead and get your thoughts on this because it just dropped this morning. It was an exclusive, it was breaking news by Variety that there's another marvel show on the way surprise surprise we already know about hawkeye we already know about miss marvel we already know about some of the other things that are coming along the way she hulk as far as series for disney plus moon knight is coming as a series as well to disney plus but looks like agatha from marvel's wandavision has now been added as a side series on disney plus this was very interesting because it i guess it's agatha all along coming up this is something to me that this is a character with Catherine Hahn who did such a great job in her role. Reminds me a lot of Tom Hiddleston when he was playing Loki early on. I think they only had in Marvel. This is just a guess. It's nothing I know or I wish I did. Tom Hiddleston, I'm assuming in the original. And if you ever talked to him and he was truly honest with you, and could truly tell you. I think he would tell you that Marvel had limited plans for him and to kill off his character or just move on from his character at some point. But he's done such a great job with his character that they've been able to build a whole universe around him and what he's doing. And Catherine Hahn, who did such a great job, I believe she was nominated for an Emmy, if I'm not mistaken. The song itself was, it was reached number one on the Apple charts. And to see her success on that, and she's chewed up enough scenery, as they say in, in the movie business, she chewed up enough scenes there that it looks like that she's done so well that Marvel said, you know what, we're instead of maybe getting giving what the fans thought and hoped of a WandaVision season two, because I know there's still hope for that. For right now, we can confirm we're going to go ahead with Agatha and tell her a little bit more of her story. I wonder if she somehow is a Loki from another universe, from another multiverse, sorry. I wonder well, if somehow that's a thing. Well, it just seems like, you know, she did such a great job. And it reminds me so much, again, of Tom Hiddleston's early performances as Loki, where he's just the best there. You know, no matter how well anybody else is doing, he is just so present with his character that 
you got to go ahead and build more stuff around him. And I think Marvel caught on to that right away, and they liked what they saw out of Catherine Hahn's performance mm-hmm. so much so that they're going to build a series around her, which is going to be very interesting to see. What do you think they could do with that series? Oh, gosh. I I honestly, I, I'm a blank slate for that one. I have no expectations. So I will, I would, I am intrigued enough to watch it, at least give it an episode. No, that's a lie. I think with any series, a podcast included, you need to give three to four episodes before everyone involved kind of hits their stride and the story kind of takes shape and, and it begins to move forward. So I would give it the three to four episodes that I usually give to a series and make up my mind after that. And we'll discuss that later on at the back end of the show with a certain Vegas show coming mm-hmm. up. So I, I have opinions on that, but Everyone out there, let us know your thoughts on the final episode of the season for What If, which will be returning for a season two. We're looking forward to that. But what are your thoughts on the What If series and that final episode and the cataclysmic battle between the forces of the Guardians of the Multiverse against Ultron? Please share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, coming up next, like I said, it's a great interview I had with Steve Rubin the author of the James Bond movie encyclopedia. He's going to be talking about what else? 007, James Bond. Also check out his book that details and chronicles the Twilight Zone as well. He did a great book there. He's a big time producer. So go ahead and check out my interview coming up right after the break regarding James Bond movie encyclopedia. We'll talk about that coming up here in a second. But after that, Melinda is coming back and we're going to be talking about Metroid Dread, Far Cry 6, Tick, Tick, Boom, And who are you with CSI Vegas? We're going to talk about that on the back end of the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. If you want to see the coolest action figure collections out there, the stuff that you played with as a kid, hear from industry insiders that made the toys that really truly defined who we are, then you got to check out season one of Action Figure Adventure. Check out Action Figure Adventure now, exclusively at Big Bad Toy Store. You'll get 10 episodes of awesome action figure fun. I guarantee if you grew up playing toys, you will love Action Figure Adventure. All right, and we're back with the program. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. It is no time to die. The final installment for one Daniel Craig, his long career as... 007 is coming to an end with No Time to Die. It's debuting in theaters here in the United States. It's already all around the world. Everybody's all excited for it because this is something that has been a long time in coming with all the delays indeed. And here today to talk about James Bond is none other, probably probably one of the preeminent James Bond experts that's out there. In fact, if you get a chance, go to Amazon. If you are interested at all in the James Bond movie library, just wanting to know more about James Bond himself, the whole movie, just history of it all, there's no better place to go than the James Bond movie encyclopedia that's now available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. It is Steve Ruman, the author of that great and awesome encyclopedia. I've had actually a chance to take a look at it already. It is truly magnificent. Great to have you on the show today. Gerald, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, as you point out, timing is great. A bond is back in the is in the zeitgeist. Yeah. I love that word, by the way. It just it's just it's a word that just trips off the tongue. And I I'm excited. I'm excited to see the movie. I haven't seen it yet. I'm dying to see it. 
they've kept a kind of a cone of silence over this movie for two years. I mean, it's been very difficult to find out anything about it. Absolutely. And that's even harder to do. The fact it's been delayed four times, I think it's been moved four times, I think. Let alone rebooting it when they lost Danny Boyle. You know, Danny Boyle was going to direct this movie and that all fell apart. So they had to reboot with Kerry Fukunaga. And we're all very guardedly optimistic that this Bond movie is going to be a spectacular success. Absolutely. As am I. And I'm excited for it as well as someone who has seen every single James Bond film in its entirety. Just truly great to go over with you on that. The Daniel Craig saga didn't start off as well with fans. Some of the earlier films in the series just really, to me, they were good, but they, and they kind of showcased what Daniel Craig could bring to the role, but fans, I think, were just slow to accept him as a, as a James Bond, even in the first place. What are your thoughts on it? You know, he, when his announcement came, a lot of people were saying, who is this? You know, is this the right choice? So many years later, oh, well over a decade later, it has now uh, become a very apparent. 15 years, right. actually. We all disparaged him when we first heard he was going to play Bond. We referred to him as the blonde Bond. And we didn't know anything about this guy. Piss poor character actor, did a few things, was in a Tomb Raider movie in Munich. Yes. and Munich. Nothing that really stood out. Uh, I actually, when I saw Casino Royale, my jaw dropped. That opening sequence where he's chasing the terrorist who's a parkour expert, who's jumping off cranes and onto construction sites. I, uh, I was on the edge of my seat. I actually was one of those who embraced Daniel from the beginning. I said, who is this guy? And he had a kind of a, well, there's a couple of things about Daniel Craig. I think, first of all, he had a thuggish quality. He was not a pretty boy. He was not a guy that you would picture, uh, you know, dancing, ballroom dancing in a tuxedo. This is a guy that kind of went back to Albert Broccoli and Harry Saltzman, the producer's idea of a two-fisted Englishman who could take a guy down. And that's, of course, what led to Sean Connery. And those two guys, Connery and Daniel Craig, are great bookends for the series because both of them punched with a, with a solid quality. And that was a imp very important characteristic of James Bond. He had to be good with his fists. Yeah. What sold it for me was the interrogation scene. And <laughs> to me, the, it showcased his ability uh, as far as from an acting point of, of view. You're right. He was in limited things that we have seen beforehand previously, but I think it showcased him as an actor. And to me, that started to really hook me in that, you get this guy a good script, you get this guy a good plot around him, and I think he could take the role to new heights. And he has now become one of my more favorite individuals to play the role. He's now become a favorite for many people out there, which is great because Skyfall, I think, is probably going to be the, you know, it's everybody's either number one, number two, number three. It's in that top three of seemingly everybody's list out there. Is it on top of yours? It's in the top five. I think that it's funny because that's that's one of the questions I'm always asked. Favorite Bond film, favorite Bond film. The very first James Bond movie I saw, I saw at Christmas 1964, Goldfinger. Mm. And I had a very strong reaction. And, and now let's see, it's, uh, it's uh, over 50 years later, 57 to be exact. 
And it's still my favorite James Bond movie. Oh, it hasn't awesome. been top, but I actually put Casino Royale right there with it. I liked it better than Skyfall, but Skyfall is terrific because it has a great villain in Javier Bardem's character of Silva. Craig's movies have been up and down. I thought Casino Royale was terrific. I thought Quantum of Solace was kind of meh. Then Skyfall blew out the charts, was terrific. And then the last one, Spectre, I just think was kind of low octane. You know, it was kind of like he was not that he was phoning in it. The one thing that's constant in his films is he's always terrific, but they don't always give him the best plots. Just what I was saying. Absolutely. I mean, so. So this one, this No Time to Die movie looks like it's a real good plot. It's very much connecting into some of the previous Bond films, and it looks very interesting, and I'm very excited to see what's coming up for No Time to Die. I wanted to ask you, are you ready to let Daniel Craig go and a new Bond to come in? Are we ready as fans to let him go? I think Daniel's great, but I completely understand him wanting to leave the series and pursue new challenges. I I always kind of wonder which way they're going to go. Will they choose, like Daniel, a relatively unknown actor, which I've always recommended because James Bond should be a little bit of a mystery to begin with. He's a secret agent. Getting Henry Cavill, who plays Superman, to play Bond to me is kind of a, it's, it's a little too easy. I mean, Henry Cavill is kind of a little bit of a known quantity, although I think he would be very good. I like the idea of somebody great, but relatively new. You know, that's a good thing. Although there have been people bandied about over the last couple of years. Every time a good looking English actor, or I should say Commonwealth actor appears, they say, I wonder if he could be a good Bond. Absolutely. Idris Elba has been named as a possible candidate. Henry Golding's been named as a possible candidate. There's been so many others. Even the guy in that Bridgerton series, he's been considered too. But it's kind of axiomatic. If there's a good-looking guy, he's up for Bond. That's one of the things I always say that, you know, people say, isn't the series over? I mean, haven't they done it all? I say, are you kidding? You're going to see James Bond movies for the next hundred years. I may not be writing books a hundred years from now, but somebody's going to carry the mantle and keep the encyclopedia going. One of the things that's been mentioned in recent days is Daniel Craig saying in regards to a possible female James Bond, Latasha Lynch is in the role of double, it could be in the role of double seven once all is said and done and the dust settles on the end of No Time to Die. It's been heavily hinted at, but when asked about the question, his thoughts on it, that he thinks that it should evolve because James Bond has evolved and not necessarily be a female's concern for the next James Bond. Your thoughts on his his recent comments? Because, I mean, Daniel Craig, now that he's he's grown into the role so much, it holds a lot of weight with a lot of people out there. Well, first of all, all these rumors of a female James Bond started when they announced Lashana Lynch casting as 007. All that's happened in the story, and I do know this for a fact, is that James Bond has now retired from the Secret Service. He's living in Jamaica. I believe he's living with Dr. Swan. They're they're kind of lovers. And M has simply given the 007 designation 
to another agent. He's not, Lashana Lynch is not James Bond. She's just another double O with the 007 prefix. There will never be a female James Bond. I'm sorry, ladies. It's just the fact of the matter is that James Bond's a guy and it's just not going to work. I I think there, there can be a, a new series of movies involving female secret agents. That's fine. But James Bond is one of the great bastions of male uh, male pop culture, and it ain't going to change. Would it have to go through the Broccoli Estate? Is, is that something that they would have to go through and get the okay on? Well, everything has to go through the Broccolis because they own half of James Bond. When Amazon recently acquired MGM, they only acquired half of James Bond. The okay. Broccoli family through Barbara and Cubby's stepson, Michael G. Wilson, they control all the rights to the James Bond series alongside MGM. They're 50-50 partners. That's awesome to hear. I mean, I know that Amazon is going to bring some new life to it. Obviously, in the age of streaming these days, it's become something that you know everybody tries to buy or acquire the rights to something from either a past or a present point of view as far as IPs are concerned. So I'm interested to see what Amazon will do going forward or the future for James Bond. But Speaking of James Bond, there's also the past, a great and storied past, which you cover in detail with the James Bond movie encyclopedia. Please, if you are a James Bond fan or you want to know more about the James Bond series of films, please check it out today. It is the James Bond movie encyclopedia at Amazon, at Barnes & Noble. It's right there for you. You can go ahead and get it. It's real easy to do. It's at a great price. Go ahead, get it today. I'll tell you what, Steve, just talking James Bond, I could go on for days talking with you on that. But instead of that, let's go ahead and make sure that everybody knows out there why people need to go ahead and check out your book. Not just one book, but if they're into the Twilight Zone, you've got a great Twilight Zone encyclopedia as well. So please go ahead, Steve. The floor is yours. Tell people why, not only if they're a James Bond fan or Twilight Zone fan, You've got encyclopedias that are just right for them. Well, thank you, Gerald. Yes, everybody, I've got uh, I, I've put a lot of effort into these books. The James Bond movie encyclopedia is actually my sixth James Bond book. I've done four editions of this book, and I did two editions of my original behind the scenes history. But the James Bond movie encyclopedia is packed full of information and lots of color photographs. I've got over 400 pictures in the book. You can't write a James Bond book without a ton of good pictures. And I think I've satisfied that. I've also got some great art pieces in the book. Jeff Marshall has given me 20 of his paintings, which are his evocative paintings of the Bond movies, which I think are wonderful. I even got the little covers of my original James Bond, Ian Fleming paperbacks. I've got them in the book, which of course were the first books I read about Bond. It's a book you don't have to read cover to cover. You just dive in. I try not to give you spoilers in the descriptions of the individual films because I find that people have not seen every Bond movie, but I have kind of a a setup for you so you know what the movie's about. I even have the setup for No Time to Die, and I have photographs of No Time to Die. So the book is pretty much up to date. The Twilight Zone Encyclopedia only covers the original Rod Serling series, the first five seasons back in the late 50s and 60s, but it's an A to Z on every episode of the Twilight Zone and a lot of information on the people involved in this Twilight Zone, all the actors. I 
I've always been a big fan of Mark Sacree's book, The Twilight Zone Companion, which was kind of our Bible for many years. But I thought that we needed to know more about the people involved in the series. So my book, The Twilight Zone Encyclopedia, gives you an insight into virtually everybody behind and in front of the camera. Uh, and it's a fun book as well. And that's also available on Amazon. I should also point out that I have a, some presence on Facebook. I have a classic movie review page I do every weekend on Saturdays called Steve Rubin's Saturday Night at the Movies, where I take a classic film and talk about it. And I have pages on the James Bond movie encyclopedia and myself, Steve Rubin, R-U-B-I-N. So I'm certainly around if you want to communicate with me that way. And I have a LinkedIn presence as well. Well, that's great to hear. Again, he is Steve Rubin. You got to check out not only his Facebook page, so you can check out those reviews, but also the Twilight Zone Encyclopedia. And of course, what we talked about today, the James Bond Movie Encyclopedia, they are both available at Amazon and Barnes Noble. Well, Steve, it's been great having you on the show. Love to have you back on whenever it's convenient for you talking James Bond, Twilight Zone, the classics, of course. Any thoughts on that coming up in the distant future? I'm I'm sure Hollywood will someday approach the Twilight Zone again. You know they can't keep their hands off of stuff like that. And then, of course, with James Bond, with No Time to Die, I hope you get a chance to see it very soon. Hope you get a chance to enjoy it and relish Daniel Craig's last performance in the role. I hope it's, it's going to be a big success, and I look forward to a future. And, in fact, as the news comes up on new James Bond or whatever's coming up in the series, I'd love to have you back on once again. It would be an absolute pleasure, Gerald. Thank you. And thank you for everything you do with your pop culture cosmos. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. And thank you again for being part of the pop culture cosmos. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. This is PC Multiverse. Cannot thank enough Steve Rubin for joining us on the show, talking about the James Bond movie encyclopedia. And if you get a chance, please go ahead and buy that book today on Barnes & Noble and Amazon. Plus, also, he has a book that details the Twilight Zone. So all of you Twilight Zone fans, please do that as well. They're great books to read and go through. And then once you have, just set it right there on the coffee table so people go, ooh, what's that? Ah, I like that. Can I read this for a second? Yeah, go ahead. Go and check out his books today at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. But before we head on out, Melinda Barkhouse is back, the mastermind behind many of our tabletop RPG streams on Facebook. Wanted to ask you this. Tick, tick, boom. Something I forgot about. That's coming to Netflix in November. The trailer just dropped. It's so funny because we outlined on our Monday show with Josh and I, we talked about the musicals, how they have not performed this year for the most part. And a lot of them have disappointed. And we have just a few options left. We got Sing 2. We've got West Side Story from Steven Spielberg. 
We also have Tick, Tick, Boom, which I did not mention, with Lin-Manuel Miranda directing. Now, Into the Heights, he had a great hand in that one. And even though it was a critical darling, it was a massive disappointment for both HBO Max and also the theaters because of the controversy that was created from it as far as the casting is concerned. I want to hear your thoughts on Tick, Tick, Boom. Is this something you'll check out on Netflix? And do you think this will shake the... I don't want to say it's a curse of the musicals this year, but outside of a net, none of these musicals have really resonated with an audience. I, I don't know that with the, the climate of today that watching people burst into songs is what people Law. are necessarily for. Right, yeah. I mean, you, you can't stop what's happening right now by singing a song. And I think that that maybe feels disingenuous to people when they're sitting down to watch a movie. Maybe it comes across that way. I myself, on a personal level, I'm not a huge musical fan, but will I give this one a shot? Sure, if I'm looking for something that I just want to have on and, and, well, I don't want to say that it's not going to be a good story because it probably is with everyone who's involved, but it's probably something that if I do check out, it'll be on in the background while I'm working on something else be it camera angles or new backdrops or whatever the story is yeah i'm just not personally a, a big musical fan and this one doesn't seem like it's going to offer anything different than what the other ones so far this year have done what is it what if the squid game was a musical no <laughs> no when it regards to Tick, Tick, Boom, I think just by the fact it's going to appear on Netflix with 200 million subscribers, it's going to get every opportunity to succeed. Yes. How well it does, it's a different story. I know that this has been a year of the musicals, and it's not been the year of the musicals because it's been the year that all these musicals have come out to the movie theaters or to the video screens. And it's the fact that virtually all of them have fallen flat. Annette has got a nice cold audience. It's gotten a lot of great praise, but it's such a weird and different musical, and I'll just leave it at that. But I'm thinking if a Lin-Manuel Miranda-directed musical on Netflix doesn't work, and a Steven Spielberg in December movie musical doesn't work, then I think there's real problems for the musical concept in any form or fashion other than a Broadway stage. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, maybe Cats is to blame. <laughs> that was a sour taste on everyone's it mouth. It sure there. was. Yeah. So maybe people aren't, you know, as willing to give the musical a chance after that. I don't know. But what are your thoughts out there on Tick, Tick, Boom? That's coming to Netflix in November. Is this going to be finally the musical that everyone's going to be seeing? Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, before we head on out, a couple last items. Far Cry 6 and Metroid Dread, a long-standing IP franchise which has its cult audience, has, a, has an audience that just has been clamoring for a new Metroid game. I want to ask you this when it comes to Metroid that's now available, Metroid Dread on Nintendo Switch. This is something a lot of people have been clamoring for as far as a continuation of Samus and her story in the Metroid realm. I mean, what are your thoughts on it? Do you think this is going to be something that's finally going to give Metroid a big hit on a Nintendo platform? Because that's always been the thing. It's always done okay, but never been one of the marquee franchises for Nintendo that Nintendo's really wanted to get behind. Because you always yeah. see them do a new Mario. You always see them do a new Zelda. You see them reluctant to go ahead and produce a new Metroid. 
this is going to be a really, really weird statement to make, but it looks like a kind of game that I would be good at. I'm terrible. Like Far Cry 6, first person shooter. I am terrible at them despite all of my best efforts. But the way that the gameplay looked, I was like, okay, maybe I can do this. Maybe I could play this one. So it, it could be one that I check out for sure. Also wanted to go ahead and hit you up on this, Melinda, with Giancarlo Esposito, who we t- a kid on this show last year that he was the hottest actor on the planet with what he was doing with the boys and what he was doing with the Mandalorian. Well, he has this Far Cry 6 game that's come out. It's an extension of that IP series, a very popular first-person shooter series, which, again, you said you weren't very good at. but So bad at them, and I try so hard. <laughs> he is the ruthless dictator, which I'm sure is such a stretch for his acting abilities because we've never seen him as a bad guy before. Oh, I'm, kid, I'm kidding when I say that. Yes. He, he does a great job, again, of just, as I said earlier in the show, chewing up the scenery this time as a ruthless dictator in an, in an island nation that you're trying to go ahead and be part of the rebellion from, and you craft tools to go ahead and make different types of guns and weapons to go ahead and fight off the enemies and try to go ahead and overtake the, the throne and the mantle turning, as it were. Turning red flags blue. Exactly. So I want to hear your thoughts on Far Cry 6. I think this game can perform well. I know that October is going to be the starting point where you're going to see this is where you start seeing the big hits because Call of Duty's on the, around the corner. Battlefield 2042 is around the corner. I mentioned Halo Infinite. That's coming around the corner. There's all these games that are coming between now and Black Friday. Well, actually, I'm sorry. Now and the first week of December, there's right. all these games coming out. This is one of the first major releases outside of FIFA 22 that has come out within the past few days. And of course, I mentioned Metroid Dread, but your thoughts on Far Cry 6, if this is something that I know you said you weren't good at, but mm-hmm. how does it look to you? This is something that can really resonate with an audience? Yeah, I think so. The things that I watched and, and the things that I know about the, the Far Cry series, I know that there have been you know some, some issues in the game. And uh, while they seem, to, from what I've watched, to have fixed those in Far Cry 6, there's different issues that crop up and it has to do with like your inventory and stuff like that so will it be perfect i don't know that any video game truly is absolutely these days they they all come out with bugs yeah there's always something right so you know luckily i don't think it's gonna be as tough as the cyberpunk release was (laughs) wow but i would feel comfortable picking up this game and, and giving it a shot there you go. And again, if people want another amazing performance by Giancarlo Esposito, one can only need to turn to Far Cry 6. It is the latest first-person shooter game. It's come out Ubisoft's latest release, and it's something that I think a lot of people are really going to get into. But we want to hear your thoughts on that game as well. If you have thoughts on Metroid Dread and Far Cry 6, please share it with us, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com or pop culture cosmo on twitter or any one number of our pop culture cosmos social media sites including facebook where we are the number one tabletop rpg streamer but melinda it's been a great episode i cannot thank you enough as always for stopping by but before we head on out do, 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 who are you? i know i know i am so excited to see jim brass and gil grissom back on my tv i you don't even understand and here's the worst part gerald i forgot that last night was the premiere because i was editing the podcast for vampires and vitae last night until like the wee hours of the morning i completely spaced on it last night so i've got to go in and i've got to find a way to watch it 
the thing though is that why do I still want to continue this series? Because I watched so much of the original series. It was at one time the number one show in the entire world. Sure as far as I was obsessed with this show. I was obsessed with it. It was on Alfie. <laughs> when the story itself focuses on the main part of what's going on, even though there was a very curious thing. And when you watch it, please DM me on this, Belinda, as far as the Fremont Street experience scene. That's all oh, I'll say. There's, okay. there's a, there were scenes that were actually shot on Fremont Street Experience. There's nothing. There's no way they could have done this out of a studio in L.A. like they do most of their stuff. Sure. Yeah, because and you know I have a soft spot for that Fremont experience. I, I love it. It's the, the best to people watching on the planet. Okay. It's well, there, there, there's just a scene there. I want you to go ahead and DM me on that. Okay. But there were some logistical issues within the whole framework of the show. But the reason why I say you got to stick with it is because just to have Sarah Seidel and Gil yes. Grissom back yes. on your TV screen just to do what they're doing. And when it clicked, there were times it clicked and it clicks better than any CBS show has. Amazing. I've not been the biggest fan of CBS shows. I think they're formulaic. A lot of them are really not that well done. When a show like this comes on and it clicks, when it does, it's better than anything CBS has. And I'm so disappointed in the fact that it's only 10 episodes for this season. I'm hoping yeah. that it will find a large audience once again and become a standard bearer and a foundation for the network going forward because I thought the whole CSI concept is much better than NCIS. And I know people are going to send me hate mail as far as that for certain because I've never really gotten to NCIS. I really think CSI was much better. Uh, I think it's better than FBI. I think it's better than, but again, it's something that if they'll just let this main story play out, because it is a part one, kind of, we don't know if it's going to go part two or more, but right. it is something I'm very interested in continuing with. And like I said, when it clicked, it clicked so well. Yeah. I wonder if part of the reason why some of those character developments and, and relationship developments were so rushed was because it's only 10 episodes. Maybe that's why, but mm -hmm. I'm, again, it is something that I'm so excited to still continue. Even with all the stuff that's going on, even with all the flaws, it is still something that I saw my way through the flaws to see what was clicking and clicking so well. And I'm looking yeah. forward to continuing that series. And again, I haven't said that about a CBS series in quite a long time. Well, it's 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 hard to see a CSI with Gil Grissom and, and be mad about it. <laughs> I'd love to see them go off again, start CSI yeah. Vegas, then do CSI San Diego because they talk about San Diego a lot. And San Diego was actually where Grissom and Sarah Seidel were in the first place. And right. I know Nick was actually sent to San Diego. If you saw the last episode right. of the original series, he went to San Diego. So picking up with CSI San Diego, would love to see that. I would love to see a whole series of CSI shows once again. I know that for a while, CSI was the top of the heap and the king of the mountain, but I'd love to see them get back on top again. Yeah, for sure. Oh, wait, CSI. What was it? CSI Miami? CSI Miami. And then they had CSI. Ooh, oh, yes. Doing, yes. David Chris. <laughs> yes. I had to. I'm sorry. Got to yeah. do, do the David Chris. I know you killed him. And I know why. <laughs> So good. so good. And then you had Gary Sinise and CSI New York. Yeah, yes. that was that was a solid show. So again, it is CSI Vegas. I'm looking forward to great success, returning some of the beloved characters and creating some new ones. We'll go ahead and check that out. But if you are interested in becoming a member of the CSI fan club, once again, what are your thoughts on CSI Vegas? Who are you going to go ahead and check out the latest episodes from CSI Vegas as it once again returns to CBS television? 
please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, Melinda, it's been a great episode. I cannot thank you as always for joining us. As the always hostess, a pleasure. As the fellow host, the hostess of the show, the hostess with the mostest. Any last <laughs> thoughts on the way out? Watch CSI. Let's bring that show back. We deserve that show. That is the show we deserve. Yes, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. And again, who are you? I'm hoping you are someone that's going to help CSI Vegas be on full time next season. So for Melinda Barkhouse, this is Gerald Glassman. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great On this week's episode, James Bond has no time to die. CSI says, who are you once again? And it was actually Agatha all along. All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at Pop Culture Cosmos, the Inside Sports Fantasy Football Show, the Lakers Fast Break. Game Source, and of course, we are the number one tabletop RPG streamer on Facebook when it works. <laughs> when it works. And anything you can do to go ahead and support us, including the tremendous show Vampires and Vitae, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a PCC of Multiverse without my good friend. She is the mastermind, don't tell Rob, of the amazing Vampires and Vitae and also other tremendous tabletop rpg games that you can catch on pop culture cosmos on facebook she is an amazing individual indeed she is back once again to sit in the hosting chair as my fellow host because she can't take enough punishment i guess for each and every week (laughs) she is back once again it is my good friend indeed it is melinda barkhouse and melinda great to have you back on the program once again great to be here are you ready to talk some good pop culture this week? Because we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Yeah, I'm ready. One thing I do want to add, season two, already underway for Vampires and Vitae. Can you give us a heads up what's going on? Yeah. So our very first live stream happened this past Sunday. We started late and then the cameras were frozen for the first half of the episode. <laughs> I don't know why we still haven't quite figured that out, but exactly. That was pretty much what happened. But when we went to the break, I accidentally tripped a 
button on plugs and it restarted my computer. And when we came back from the restart with the computer, the cameras worked. So that was a good thing, I guess. Anyway, the second half of it worked fine. The awesome news is that all of our audio worked. So the podcast, as usual, will drop this Friday. It releases at like 2 a.m. Pacific time. So you get it bright and early, like 6 a.m. on the East Coast. And the episodes are going to be everything that happens in the stream in one episode. So I believe this week's episode is just over about two hours. But you get to meet the new cast and you get into a little bit, at least a hint of the direction that the story is going in this year. So we're really excited about it. Oh, that was a good tease. But you need to go ahead and check out Vampires and Vite. Please do so. Season two is now underway. It's going to be much more streamlined. There's good things happening again. Forward, so check it out wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, the live videotapings as they happen right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. But I'll tell you what, it's going to be a great episode. We're talking a lot of great things. But first off, since no time to go, no time to die, Hitting U.S. theaters this weekend after doing an amazing job worldwide so far at the box office. And it's going to get a lot more this weekend in the U.S. We're not sure how much. We still think it's going to do very well because this is Daniel Craig's last time around. And in honor of that, I brought on a guest that's coming on later in the show. It's going to be Steve Rubin, the author of the James Bond movie Encyclopedia. He's going to stop by to talk James Bond with me. It's one of my favorite subjects. I've watched the entire list of movies, and I'm just so excited to see No Time to Die. So we'll be talking about that. Plus, Melinda will have some thoughts on 007 here in a sec. Also, as well, we're going to be talking about some great things, including What If Episode 9, the finale for the season. We'll talk a little bit about that. And a big surprise came today, courtesy of Variety, getting exclusive on a new Marvel series that's coming. Is it what we wanted or is it something different? We'll talk about that coming up as well. Josh and I on our Pop Culture Cosmos show on Monday mentioned a whole bunch of musicals coming out for the rest of the year and also what has taken place during the course of the year. But we missed one that's coming to Netflix. So we'll talk about Tick, Tick, Boom coming up later in the program. Also as well, Far Cry 6 and Metroid Dread. They are hitting. And in fact, if you have a Nintendo Switch and uh, Xbox Series X, Xbox One, PlayStation 4, or PlayStation 5, you've got it or can get it in your hands right now because Far Cry 6 and Metroid Dread are both out and about in the wild. So we'll talk about the advanced reviews and thoughts on that coming up here at the end of the show as well. And the return of CSI Vegas. I'm not going to go into the who's who are you because I cannot hit that high note anymore. But CSI Vegas is here. It's now live. It's now being a part of the CBS schedule for 10 weeks. Going to be 10 episodes this season. How excited are we? And how did the first episode look to us? We'll go ahead and talk about that on the back end of the show as well. But first, Melinda, it is James Bond's No Time to Die, which I am extremely looking forward to. Daniel Craig has just won me over as a James Bond is one of the best. Just incredible job that he's done. Your thoughts on No Time to Die as it's hitting U.S. theaters. It's done a tremendous job overseas, being one of the biggest box office hits so far this year. Your thoughts on No Time to Die? I am definitely going to see it in theaters, and I'm definitely going to find the time to do it this weekend. I'm thrilled. 
Do you remember, like, I know everybody is lamenting about Daniel Craig and this being his his last Bond movie, but do you remember the hoopla that started when it was announced that he was going to play James Bond and how people were upset that James Bond was going to be blonde? Do you remember that? Yes, I remember that. I remember, yeah. like, who was this Daniel Craig guy? They'd only yeah. known him from a couple different movies that he was in. The the first original Tomb Raider, I think, with Angelina Jolie, and he yes. he did one of those young adult fantasy stories. I forget which one he did, but he did one of those type movies in the early two thousands as well. And he just really wasn't known for much. And then they're like, "Who is this Daniel Craig guy?" To me, in the past, it was more of when he was first doing the movies like Quantum of Solace and whatnot. It was more okay, we're going to go ahead and make a James Bond movie. And even though you don't know him, we're selling you on James Bond, the character. And we're going to bet that you're going to go to the movies because it's James Bond. Now it's come to the point where he has done such a great job of the role, especially after Skyfall, Mm -hmm. which was, I think, the best James Bond movie of them all. I think there's no doubt where he ranks among the pantheon of James Bond's. Yeah, I agree. And now it's time for us to lament him in his final movie. And I, yeah, I, I, I can't wait. I'm going to pre-buy my tickets and get through the theater with the big comfy chairs and recline with my popcorn and be ready to go. I'm so look excited. at you. So excited. And with Rob, I'm assuming, correct? Yeah, he can come if he wants. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> she lays such a smack job on her home husband. I'll tell you. <laughs> You two are crazy, crazy kids, but it is James Bond's No Time to Die. I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen that's going to take place in there. There has been word that there's going to be no real search for a new James Bond until next year. They're going to let No Time to Die breathe because this has been a film that's been pushed back, pushed back, pushed back. For a time, it was going to be pushed back into 2022, and then they decided, you know what, we'll just go ahead and keep it where it is. Let me hear your thoughts on this. Once the dust has settled on this movie and it's just going now to be something that you'll see on streaming outlets and all that a few months down the line, what are your thoughts on who will continue the James Bond series? Who do you think should continue the James Bond series? Wow, I I don't know. It, it's it's actually a topic that Rob and I have debated ad nauseum, to be completely honest. And I, Daniel I, Craig's comments on it have been a little bit controversial as well. Sure, sure. You know, I I think he's probably too old right now to pick up the mantle of James Bond. But I would have loved to have seen Idris Elba pick up the mantle. Um, you and I both. Oh my God, he would have been so good. But I I do think that he may be a little bit too old at this point to jump into the James Bond role. Maybe I'm wrong. I would love to be wrong because I would love to see that film. I would go to that in, I would buy tickets now, even if it didn't come out for seven years to go and see that movie. And perhaps this is a little bit controversial, but I don't want 007 to be played by a a female. Neither does he. Yeah, no, I, I don't think that that's the thing that needs to happen. James Bond is the like ultimate male fantasy. That's how it was written. And I think that there are enough 
other ways for there to be movies that feature women in the the title roles, such as like let's bring back Nikita. I love Nikita. The or Natasha of- Lynch is now who, in the movie. Yeah. She is the new 007 as portrayed in the movie. So yeah, I I just I don't know that that needs to be a thing that they continue in and keep moving forward with. She could be a 008 or a 006, but I think 007 should be a male movie at some point. You know, there has to be a time when we stop putting high heels and tutus on G.I. Joe and expecting everybody to be okay with it. I think there are enough talented women, writers, directors, actors to be able to come up with our own stories. And and I think that that's what we need to do. I don't think that we need to do that coming into 007. Those well, are, that's my, yeah, that's, that's, those are my thoughts. I know, please don't at me, please. I know people are already hollering. I can hear them at their computers, but honestly, I, I just think that 007 should be a dude. It's a male fantasy film and I, it's perfectly fine for that to remain as that. I don't think that it needs to be anything else. Well, it does to get to the point where whoever takes up the mantle of James Bond just has to make sure they continue that trend towards a more respectful James Bond towards women because you've seen some, I love Sean Connery in the role of James Bond. He'll always be personified as a James Bond and one of the best, if not the best James Bonds in many people's opinion, but the way he treated women in those early films, I look back on it now and it's just like, eh. Oh, they're so cringy. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, so cringy. But I, I think that the way that they have used Daniel Craig's 007, when it came to the women in the movies, I thought and felt was was more than fair. And I think that continuing to explore the emotional toll that being a super agent with a license to kill would take on somebody carrying the 007 mantle. I think that's the correct way to, to move forward with Bond. I agree with you that there should be something that's set in stone going forward. A great part of it is the fan base. That's that's fine. But ultimately, the decision does not even lay with Amazon, who now owns the rights to James Bond. They've only got a 50-50 deal with the Broccoli's. Uh, And the Broccoli's are the uh, actually Albert Broccoli. The late Albert Broccoli is the individual who wrote the James Bond character in the first place. And the heirs of his estate are the ones that are going to be continuing going forward and ultimately will have the final, final decision. They had the final decision on Daniel Craig so many years ago. Now it looks like they will have the decision again next year when they start that search. So I think Tom Hiddleston is is obviously a good idea as well. I know Loki has been getting a lot of claim and he has that charm and Savoir Fair, I thought Idris Elba, I've been saying on this show for many years, is a is a, just a natural for the role. I think that there are several I actors out there. About, I wouldn't be mad about Tom Hardy. I think he could do, he could pull off double his, his, Yeah, well, you, you know about you and Tom Hardy from I mean, last week. I mean. <laughs> what is it? Tom Hardy could be picking his nose. I think that was what you yeah, said. For, for two and a half hours, and I would be yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's um, what no, I, I remember. I do think that he could pull off the whole spy thing. I, I think so. I think he's a phenomenal actor. I mean, beyond my obvious crush on him, I, I really do think that he's incredibly talented. So I, I know that's probably an idea as well. So his name has been tossed and bandied about. I have a feeling ultimately that they'll go the non-star. I think they'll have an individual that they'll go that's unknown at this time or sure. relatively unknown. That's only had a few performances. I have a feeling they'll go that way again because it was so successful for them last time. I have a feeling they will not go the quote-unquote name actor 
simply because, you know, obviously pay is the first thing. Because yeah. Daniel Craig, from his first movie to his last movie, I'm sure he got a extremely large pay increase. Yeah, that's a nice raise right there. Yeah, especially <laughs> after Skyfall. Especially after Skyfall, yeah. it just that was a big hit, tremendous reception, tremendous response. And yeah, I know he got the ka-ching once he uh, made that for the Spectre and now No Time to Die. The latest two roles, I know he probably got paid at a premium for those two roles. I think. That's translated for him to the Knives Out sequels, where he's being paid, you know, reportedly, and you know, you could take that for whatever's worth around a hundred million dollars for those sequels for the Knives Out series. So you, that's all stemming from his popularity as Bond. That's yeah. why he got the role in the first place. It's a cause and effect there. So I have a feeling they're gonna go after some young gish actor like late 20s maybe be my my guess someone that they can build a franchise around again for another four or five installments and then go from there i have a feeling that that's going to be the case yeah i feel like it for a new series of bond films you probably shouldn't go past like early 30s in terms of age because when you think about it let's say 10 years let's say let's just pretend in a perfect world we get a new bond movie every two years let's say they do five of them that puts them in their early 40s and i think that's a good time for that bond iteration to give way to again a, a new player well daniel craig is in his late 40s and this sure will be is. his yeah. fifth yeah. yeah but we have seen you know, roger moore he played the role until well, oh, yeah, you know, I know. absolutely later, much a little later in life, and then Sean Connery returned to the role later in life in the unauthorized James Bond movie. We'll just say that yes. if you've seen that one, we've seen, like you said, these James Bonds play the roles later in life. I would like to see younger, uh, you know, maybe a younger. I think would probably be a fresh start per se. I think would probably be good, even though if you get Idris Elba, you know, you can't go wrong with that at all. Yeah. What are your thoughts out there on No Time to Die? You're going to go ahead and check out the movie this weekend at the theaters. And who do you think will become the next James Bond? I'm not saying 007 because Natasha Lynch currently holds that title. So who will become the next James Bond? Man? Woman? Young star? Established star? Let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. You've heard others, but nothing could prepare you for the shameful stupidity that is the Jock and Nerd Podcast. Witness the hubris as they claim to be the world's authority on comic book movies. Who said that? Never said that. We've never said that. Who cares? A jock said that. Comic book, TV, movie reviews, news, and whatever they choose. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Jock and Nerd Podcast. Seriously, people really listen to this. Uh, jock and Nerd! Well, there's still much more to talk about on today's program. Melinda, what if finally came to an end with a cataclysmic battle between Ultron and the Guardians of the Multiverse as assembled by the Watcher? And there are some questions I have, but overall, your thoughts on it. I mean, did it end the way you thought it would? I mean, for me, it, it ended okay. It sets it up, obviously, for another season, which is going to be happening on Disney Plus maybe next year, maybe 2023. It depends because it takes a while. But I want to hear your thoughts on What If Episode 9. 
like you said, I, I think that it it left the door wide open for another season, which I feel like they've been setting up for the last couple of episodes, to be honest. I yeah. just kind of had that feeling to it. Uh, so the fact that you were left with questions, I think is very smart. And uh, I mean, Disney and especially with the the Marvel stuff, they're, they're no dummies. They know that people have been into this and they know that people want to see more. So I think it would have been a little bit silly to not leave the audience with questions at the end. I agree with you on that, but I do want to make sure and let everybody know that you saw Gamora was one of the guardians of the multiverse. She was a character that had her own episode planned, and you saw little bits of that in this episode. The thing was that there was supposed to be originally 10 episodes of the What If Season 1, but unfortunately the coronavirus delayed those plans and suspended a episode. They had to, the producers and showrunners had to make a choice between what episode they wanted cut. And so unfortunately Gamora's along with Iron Man, where she pals up with Iron Man, mm -hmm. that episode had to be cut. And they only showed some snippets of that episode within the confines of what episode nine you'll see. And if you see that, you'll check that out. But I think that the producer said that they'll go ahead and have Gamora have her own episode coming up for season two to make up for it. So looking forward to see what to do for her character. I do want to say that the watcher himself, outstanding, you know, anything he plays, he's a really good actor. And I like to see what he'll bring to the continued what if, and maybe if, if he'll be able to play a live version of this watcher in the MCU, I'd be really intrigued to see that. I think overall it was okay. I, I don't like the, the way that they treated Killmonger. First off, why was the Watcher picking him anyways for the Guardians of the Multiverse, knowing that he was someone that was had tendencies to go ahead and be on the bad side of things? Like he killed Tony Stark in his episode. He Spoiler, sorry. He, uh, <laughs> he, he, he went and he controlled the whole situation, manipulated the battle between U.S. and Wakanda. And... You know, to go ahead and say, okay, I'm going to choose you to become one of the Guardians of the Multiverse. Why did that take place? Because in the ultimate battle between the Guardians of the Multiverse and Ultron, there wasn't really much of a sighting of Killmonger. It wasn't until after the end where he tried to claim all the Infinity Stones for himself that it became apparent that he wasn't going to be working for the Guardians in the first place. So I, I kind of questioned that, but. Otherwise, I thought it was just basically your run-of-the-mill Marvel ending, which seemingly set it up for season two. But yeah, right now, all signs point towards the season two. But again, as a, to close it out for your end, what were your final thoughts on What If when you got a chance to check it out? I, well, I mean, I, I've been saying it all along. I have enjoyed it. I enjoy another take on the things that we have known. Would you like to see a season two? I'd love to see a season two. Absolutely. And it would be really interesting, I think. And Lord knows, I don't know how to write a story. So forgive me. But I would love to see, you know, a little bit of like a... a maybe a recruitment kind of situation where they bring in maybe some of the secondary Marvel characters into the what if universe. I don't know. I'm here for it. I'm excited for season two. I'm thrilled that there's going to be a season two. And yeah, I just thought it was a lot of fun to watch. Do you have a favorite episode? You know, I know it wasn't your favorite, but I really enjoyed the, oh my goodness. The first one? The first Can one. Yes. Thank you. Why can't I think of her name? Captain Carter. Well, yeah, Captain Carter, but I was going to use her first name. That was funny. 
Anyway, oh, Haley Atwell. Uh, yes, thank you. Um, I I just I adore her, and I think that she deserves to be. She was much better to me in this episode. I really sure. liked her. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm my daughter I'm, felt differently. It's kind of weird because we've kind of felt the opposite on that. She liked her a little bit more in episode one than this one. I kind of liked her in this one a little bit more than that. One, but yeah, yeah, I thought she did pretty good. Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I, I'm. I'm enjoying the alternate takes on uh, the characters that we've known and and become so involved with for the last what decade or so. Exactly, but I, I personally, as my favorite, I'm going to go with Party Thor. Party <laughs> Thor is my favorite, yes. and the way he interacted in this latest episode as a remembrance of that, as he gave his battle cry, Vegas. Vegas, he shouted first time. And then the second time he went off against Ultron, he shouted Viva Las Vegas before trying to go and hit him with thunder and all his hammers and all that. That was helped out by Doctor Strange. And and it was kind of funny, just the references to Vegas. It's Vegas all over the place this week for pop culture. But, you know, it was just a lot of fun for me as a whole to watch the zombie episode I thought was kind of a different niche. I'm curious to see where they'll go for season two. I have a, a much better opinion on it, as I've said at nauseum in the past couple of weeks, almost apologizing to <laughs> everyone out there and Marvel and all that for saying that this wasn't worth your time in the first place. But now I say after watching it, it definitely is worth your time. It's, it's definitely something that's going to be very intriguing how they're going to incorporate that into the live action multiverse as far as it's concerned. So I'm very curious to see how the marvel cinematic multiverse will be added on with all the stuff that's going on with what if i want to see how much they'll sprinkle into that that concept so we'll see how that plays out but melinda it's just been a you know a great time watching it i look forward to it and you know to me i think the next step is to do what star wars has just done on disney plus with star wars visions with the anime Mm, and getting the nine different anime creators just legendary anime creators to go ahead and create their own stories and if people have not checked out star wars visions i highly recommend it i would love to see a marvel visions i know they played and tossed around with anime before as josh has told me but i really like the thought if they could go ahead and refresh that again and just provide a different look sure yeah yeah i want to say it's roto animation but i've I'm I for, I'm almost positive that I have that term a little bit wrong, but I really enjoy the look, the stylistics of how What If looked. I liked it, that style of animation. I enjoyed it. Well, before we head on out to the break and my conversation coming up with Steve Rubin, the author of the James Bond movie encyclopedia, I wanted to go ahead and get your thoughts on this because it just dropped this morning. It was an exclusive. It was breaking news by Variety that there's another Marvel show on the way. Surprise, surprise. We already know about Hawkeye. We already know about Miss Marvel. We already know about some of the other things that are coming along the way. She-Hulk as far as series for Disney+. Plus. Moon Knight is coming as a series as well to Disney+. Plus. But looks like Agatha from Marvel's WandaVision has now been added as a side series on Disney+. Plus. This was very interesting because it, I guess it's Agatha all along coming up. This is something to me that this is a character with Catherine Hahn who did such a great job in her role. Reminds me a lot of Tom Hiddleston when he was playing Loki early on. I think they only had in Marvel. This is just a guess. It's nothing I know or I wish I did. Tom Hiddleston 
I'm assuming in the original. And if you ever talked to him and he was truly honest with you, he could truly tell you, I think he would tell you that Marvel had limited plans for him and to kill off his character or just move on from his character at some point. But he's done such a great job with his character that they've been able to build a whole universe around him and what he's doing. And Catherine Hahn, who did such a great job, I believe she was nominated for an Emmy, if I'm not mistaken. The so, song yeah. itself was, yeah. it was reached number one on the Apple charts. And to see her success on that, and she's chewed up enough scenery, as they say in, in the movie business, that she chewed up enough scenes there that it looks like that she's done so well that Marvel said, you know what, we're instead of maybe getting giving what the fans thought and hoped of a one division season two because i know there's still hope for that for right now we can confirm we're going to go ahead with agatha and tell her a little bit more of her story i wonder if she somehow is a loki from another universe from another multiverse sorry i wonder well, if somehow that's a thing well it just seems like you know she did such a great job and it reminds me so much again of tom hiddles's early performances as loki where he's just the best there you know, yeah. no matter how well anybody else is doing, he is just so present with his character that you got to go ahead and build more stuff around him. And I think Marvel caught on to that right away and they liked what they saw out of Catherine Hahn's performance mm -hmm. so much so that they're going to build a series around her, which is going to be very interesting to see. What do you think they could do with that series? Oh, gosh, I I honestly I, I'm a blank slate for that one. I have no expectations. So I will I would I am intrigued enough to watch it at least give it an episode. No, that's a lie. I think with any series, a podcast included, you need to give three to four episodes before everyone involved kind of hits their stride and the story kind of takes shape and, and it begins to move forward. So I would give it the three to four episodes that I usually give to a series and make up my mind after that. And we'll discuss that later on at the back end of the show with a certain Vegas show coming mm -hmm. up. So I, I have opinions on that, but Everyone out there, let us know your thoughts on the final episode of the season for What If, which will be returning for a season two. We're looking forward to that. But what are your thoughts on the What If series and that final episode and the cataclysmic battle between the forces of the Guardians of the Multiverse against Ultron? Please share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, coming up next, like I said, it's a great interview I had with Steve Rubin the author of the James Bond Moving Encyclopedia. He's going to be talking about what else? 007, James Bond. Also check out his book that details and chronicles the Twilight Zone as well. He did a great book there. He's a big-time producer, so go ahead and check out my interview coming up right after the break regarding James Bond Movie Encyclopedia. We'll talk about that coming up here in a second. But after that, Melinda is coming back, and we're going to be talking about Metroid Dread, Far Cry 6, Tick, Tick, Boom, and who are you with CSI Vegas? We're going to talk about that on the back end of the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. If you want to see the coolest action figure collections out there, the stuff that you played with as a kid, hear from industry insiders that made the toys that really truly defined who we are, then you got to check out season one of Action Figure Adventure. Check out Action Figure Adventure now, exclusively at Big Bad Toy Store. You'll get 10 episodes of awesome action figure fun. I guarantee if you grew up playing toys, you will love Action Figure Adventure. All right, and we're back with the program. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. 
It is no time to die. The final installment for one Daniel Craig, his long career as 007 is coming to an end with no time to die. It's debuting in theaters here in the United States. It's already all around the world. Everybody's all excited for it because this is something that has been a long time in coming with all the delays indeed. And here today to talk about James Bond is none other, probably probably one of the preeminent James Bond experts that's out there. In fact, if you get a chance, go to Amazon. If you are interested at all in the James Bond movie library, just wanting to know more about James Bond himself, the whole movie, just history of it all, there's no better place to go than the James Bond movie encyclopedia that's now available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. It is Steve Ruman, the author of that great and awesome encyclopedia. I've had actually a chance to take a look at it already. It is truly magnificent. Great to have you on the show today. Gerald, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, as you point out, timing is great. A bond is back in the is in the zeitgeist. Yeah. I love that word, by the way. It just it's just it's a word that just trips off the tongue. And I I'm excited. I'm excited to see the movie. I haven't seen it yet. I'm dying to see it. They've kept a kind of a cone of silence over this movie for two years. I mean, it's been very difficult to find out anything about it. Absolutely. And that's even harder to do. The fact it's been delayed four times, I think. It's been moved four times, I think. Let alone rebooting it when they lost Danny Boyle. You know, Danny Boyle was going to direct this movie and that all fell apart. So they had to reboot with Kerry Fukunaga and... We're all very guardedly optimistic that this Bond movie is going to be a spectacular success. Absolutely. As am I, and I'm excited for it as well. Someone who has seen every single James Bond film in its entirety. Just truly great to go over with you on that. The Daniel Craig saga didn't start off as well with fans. Some of the earlier films in the series just really, to me, they were good, but they and they kind of showcased what Daniel Craig could bring to the role. But fans, I think, were just slow to accept him as a as a James Bond, even in the first place. What are your thoughts on it? You know, he, when his announcement came, a lot of people were saying, who is this? You know, is this the right choice? So many years later, oh, well over a decade later, it has now uh, become a very apparent. 15 years, right. actually. We all disparaged him when we first heard he was going to play Bond. We referred to him as the blonde bond and we didn't know anything about this guy's piss poor character actor did a few things was in uh tomb raider movie and munich yes. and nothing that really stood out uh i actually when i saw casino royale my jaw dropped that opening sequence where he's chasing the terrorist who's a parkour expert who's jumping off cranes and onto construction sites i uh, i was on the edge of my seat I actually was one of those who embraced Daniel from the beginning. I said, who is this guy? And he had a kind of a, well, there's a couple of things about Daniel Craig. I think, first of all, he had a thuggish quality. He was not a pretty boy. Mm -hmm. He was not a guy that you would picture, uh, you know, dancing, ballroom dancing in a tuxedo. This is a guy that kind of went back to Albert Broccoli and Harry Saltzman, the producer's idea of a, two-fisted Englishman who could take a guy down. And that's, of course, what led to Sean Connery. And those two guys, Connery and Daniel Craig, are great bookends for the series because both of them punched 
with a with a solid quality. And that was a imp- very important characteristic of James Bond. He had to be good with his fists. Yeah. What sold it for me was the interrogation scene. And <laughs> to me, the it showcased his ability uh, as far as from an acting point of, of view. You're right. He was in limited things that we have seen beforehand previously, but I think it showcased him as an actor. And to me, that started to really hook me in that you get this guy a good script, you get this guy a good plot around him, and I think he could take the role to new heights. And he has now become one of my more favorite individuals to play the role. He's now become a favorite for many people out there, which is great because Skyfall, I think, is probably going to be the you know, it's everybody's either number one, number two, number three. It's in that top three of seemingly everybody's list out there. Is it on top of yours? It's in the top five. I think that it's funny because that's that's one of the questions I'm always asked. Favorite Bond film, favorite Bond film. The very first James Bond movie I saw, I saw at Christmas 1964, Goldfinger. Mm. And I had a very strong reaction. And, and now, let's see, it's, uh, it's uh, over 50 years later. 57 to be exact and it's still my favorite james bond movie it hasn't been top but i actually put casino royale right there with it i liked it better than skyfall but skyfall is terrific because it has a great villain in javier bardeen's character of silva craig's movies have been up and down i thought casino royale was terrific i thought quantum of solace was kind of meh yeah. Then Skyfall blew out the charts, was terrific. And then the last one, Spectre, I just think was kind of low octane. You know, it was yeah. kind of like he was, not that he was phoning in it. The one thing that's constant in his films is he's always terrific, but they don't always give him the best plots. Just you know? what I was saying. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so, so this one, this No Time to Die movie looks like it's a real good plot. It's very much connecting into some of the previous Bond films, and it looks very interesting, and I'm very excited to see what's coming up for No Time to Die. I wanted to ask you, are you ready to let Daniel Craig go and a new Bond to come in? Are we ready as fans to let him go? I think Daniel's great, but I completely understand him wanting to leave the series and pursue new challenges. I I always kind of wonder which way they're going to go. Will they choose, like Daniel, a relatively unknown actor, which I've always recommended because James Bond should be a little bit of a mystery to begin with. He's a secret agent. Getting Henry Cavill, who plays Superman, to play Bond to me is kind of a it's it's a little too easy. I mean, Henry Cavill is kind of a little bit of a known quantity, although I think he would be very good. I like the idea of somebody great, but relatively new you know that's a good thing although there have been people bandied about over the last couple years every time a good-looking english actor or i should say commonwealth actor appears they say i wonder if he could be a good bond absolutely idris elba has been named as a possible candidate henry golding's been named as a possible candidate there's been so many others even the guy in that Bridgerton series he's been considered too but it's kind of axiomatic if there's a good-looking guy He's up for Bond. That's one of the things I always say that, you know, people say, isn't the series over? I mean, haven't they done it all? I say, are you kidding? You're going to see James Bond movies for the next hundred years. I may not be writing books a hundred years from now, but somebody's going to carry the mantle and keep the encyclopedia going. 
One of the things that's been mentioned in recent days is Daniel Craig saying in regards to a possible female James Bond, Latasha Lynch is in the role of double, it could be in the role of double seven once all is said and done and the dust settles on the end of No Time to Die. It's been heavily hinted at, but when asked about the question, his thoughts on it, that he thinks that it should evolve because James Bond has evolved and not necessarily be a, a female's concern for the next James Bond. Your thoughts on his, his recent comments? Because, I mean, Daniel Craig, now that he's, he's grown into the role so much, it holds a lot of weight with a lot of people out there. Well, first of all, all of these rumors of a female James Bond started when they announced Lashana Lynch casting as 007. All that's happened in the story, and I do know this for a fact, is that James Bond has now retired from the Secret Service. He's living in Jamaica. I believe he's living with Dr. Swan. They're, they're kind of lovers. And yeah. M is simply given the 007 designation to another agent. He's not, she, Lashana Lynch is not James Bond. No. She's just another double O with the 007 prefix. There will never be a female James Bond. I'm sorry, ladies. It's just the fact of the matter is that James Bond's a guy and it's just not going to work. I, I think there, there can be a, a new series of movies involving female secret agents. That's fine. But James Bond is one of the great bastions of male... Uh, male pop culture and it ain't gonna change would it have to go through the broccoli estate is that something that they would have to go through and get the okay on well everything has to go through the broccolis because they own half of james bond when amazon recently acquired mgm they only acquired half of james bond the okay. broccoli family through barbara and cubby's stepson michael g wilson they control all the rights to the James Bond series alongside MGM. They're 50-50 partners. That's awesome to hear. I mean, I know that Amazon is going to bring some new life to it. Obviously, in the age of streaming these days, it's become something that, you know, everybody tries to buy or acquire the rights to something from either a past or a present point of view as far as IPs are concerned. So I'm interested to see what Amazon will do going forward or the future for James Bond. But Speaking of James Bond, there's also the past, a great and storied past, which you cover in detail with the James Bond movie encyclopedia. Please, if you are a James Bond fan or you want to know more about the James Bond series of films, please check it out today. It is the James Bond movie encyclopedia at Amazon, at Barnes & Noble. It's right there for you. You can go ahead and get it. It's real easy to do. It's at a great price. Go ahead. Get it today. I'll tell you what, Steve, just talking James Bond, I could go on for days talking with you on that. But instead of that, let's go ahead and make sure that everybody knows out there why people need to go ahead and check out your book. Not just one book, but if they're into the Twilight Zone, you've got a great Twilight Zone encyclopedia as well. So please go ahead, Steve. The floor is yours. Tell people why not only if they're a James Bond fan or Twilight Zone fan, You've got encyclopedias that are just right for them. Well, thank you, Gerald. Yes, everybody, I've got uh, I, I've put a lot of effort into these books. The James Bond movie encyclopedia is actually my sixth James Bond book. I've done four editions of this book, and I did two editions of my original behind-the-scenes history. But the James Bond movie encyclopedia is packed full of information and lots of color photographs. I've got over 400 pictures in the book. You can't write a James Bond book without a ton of good pictures. 
And I think I've satisfied that. I've also got some great art pieces in the book. Jeff Marshall has given me 20 of his paintings, which are his evocative paintings of the Bond movies, which I think are wonderful. I even got the little covers of my original James Bond, Ian Fleming paperbacks. I've got them in the book, which, of course, were the first books I read about Bond. And it's a book you don't have to read cover to cover. You just dive in. I try not to give you spoilers in the descriptions of the individual films because I find that people have not seen every Bond movie, but I have kind of a, a setup for you so you know what the movie's about. I even have the setup for No Time to Die, and I have photographs of No Time to Die, so the book is pretty much up to date. The Twilight Zone Encyclopedia only covers the original Rod Serling series, the first five seasons back in the late 50s and 60s, but it's an A to Z on every episode of The Twilight Zone and a lot of information on the people involved in this Twilight Zone, all the actors. I, I've i always been a big fan of Mark Sacree's book, The Twilight Zone Companion, which was kind of our Bible for many years. But I thought that we needed to know more about the people involved in the series. So my book, The Twilight Zone Encyclopedia, gives you an insight into virtually everybody behind and in front of the camera. Uh, and it's a fun book as well. And that's also available on Amazon. I should also point out that I have a, some presence on Facebook. I have a classic movie review page I do every weekend on Saturdays called Steve Rubin's Saturday Night at the Movies, where I take uh, a classic film and talk about it. And I have pages on the James Bond movie encyclopedia and myself, Steve Rubin, R-U-B-I-N. So I'm certainly around if you want to communicate with me that way. And I have a LinkedIn presence as well. Well, that's great to hear. Again, he is Steve Rubin. You got to check out not only his Facebook page, so you can check out those reviews, but also the Twilight Zone Encyclopedia. And of course, what we talked about today, the James Bond Movie Encyclopedia, they are both available at Amazon and Barnes Noble. Well, Steve, it's been great having you on the show. Love to have you back on whenever it's convenient for you, talking James Bond, Twilight Zone, the classics, of course. Any thoughts on that coming up in the distant future? I'm I'm sure Hollywood will someday approach the Twilight Zone again. You know they can't keep their hands off of stuff like that. And then, of course, with James Bond, with No Time to Die, I hope you get a chance to see it very soon. Hope you get a chance to enjoy it and relish Daniel Craig's last performance in the role. I hope it's going to be a big success, and I look forward to a future. And, in fact, as the news comes up on new James Bond or whatever's coming up in the series, I'd love to have you back on once again. It would be an absolute pleasure, Gerald. Thank you. And thank you for everything you do with your pop culture cosmos. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. And thank you again for being part of the pop culture cosmos. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. This is PC Multiverse. Cannot thank enough Steve Rubin 
for joining us on the show, talking about the James Bond movie encyclopedia. And if you get a chance, please go ahead and buy that book today on Barnes and Noble and Amazon. Plus also he has a book that details the Twilight Zone. So all you Twilight Zone fans, please do that as well. They're great books to read and go through. And then once you have, just set it right there on the coffee table so people go, ooh, what's that? Ah, I like that. Can I read this for a second? Yeah, go ahead, go check out his books today at Amazon and Barnes and Noble. But before we head on out, Melinda Barkhouse is back, the mastermind behind many of our tabletop RPG streams on Facebook. Wanted to ask you this. Tick, tick, boom. Something I forgot about. That's coming to Netflix in November. The trailer just dropped. It's so funny because we outlined on our Monday show with Josh and I, we talked about the musicals, how they have not performed this year for the most part. And a lot of them have disappointed. And we have just a few options left. We got Sing 2. We've got West Side Story from Steven Spielberg. We also have Tick, Tick, Boom, which I did not mention, with Lin-Manuel Miranda directing. Now, Into the Heights, he had a great hand in that one. And even though it was a critical darling, it was a massive disappointment for both HBO Max and also the theaters because of the controversy that was created from it as far as the casting is concerned. I want to hear your thoughts on Tick, Tick, Boom. Is this something you'll check out on Netflix? And do you think this will shake the, I don't want to say it's a curse of the musicals this year, but outside of a net, None of these musicals have really resonated with an audience. I I don't know that with the the climate of today that watching people burst into songs is what people are necessarily for. Right, yeah. I mean, you you can't stop what's happening right now by singing a song. And I think that that maybe feels disingenuous to people when they're sitting down to watch a movie. Maybe it comes across that way. I myself... On a personal level, I'm not a huge musical fan, but will I give this one a shot? Sure. If I'm looking for something that I just want to have on and, and, well, I don't want to say that it's not going to be a good story because it probably is with everyone who's involved, but it's probably something that if I do check out, it'll be on in the background while I'm working on something else, be it camera angles or new backdrops or whatever the story is. Yeah, I'm just not personally a a big musical fan. And this one doesn't seem like it's going to offer anything different than what the other ones so far this year have done. What what if the Squid Game was a musical? No. (laughs) No. (laughs) When it regards to Tick, Tick, Boom, I think just by the fact it's going to appear on Netflix with 200 million subscribers, it's going to get every opportunity to succeed. Yes. How well it does, it's a different story. I know that this has been a year of the musicals and it's not been the year of the musicals because it's been the year that all these musicals have come out to the movie theaters or to the video screens. And it's the fact that virtually all of them have fallen flat. Annette has got a nice cold audience. It's gotten a lot of great praise, but it's such a weird and different musical. And I'll just leave it at that. But I'm thinking if a Lin-Manuel Miranda directed musical on netflix doesn't work and a steven spielberg in december movie musical doesn't work then i think there's real problems for the musical concept in any form or fashion other than a broadway stage yeah i agree and you know maybe cats is to blame That was a sour taste on everyone's mouth. It sure was. Yeah. So maybe people aren't, you know, as willing to give the musical a chance after that. I don't know. 
But what are your thoughts out there on Tick, Tick, Boom? That's coming to Netflix in November. Is this going to be finally the musical that everyone's going to be seeing? Share us your thoughts. Pop Culture Cosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, before we head on out, a couple last items. Far Cry 6 and Metroid Dread. A long-standing IP franchise which has its cult audience, has, a, has an audience that just has been clamoring for a new Metroid game. I want to ask you this when it comes to Metroid that's now available. Metroid Dread on Nintendo Switch. This is something a lot of people have been clamoring for as far as a continuation of Samus and her story in the Metroid realm. I mean, what are your thoughts on it? Do you think this is going to be something that's finally going to give Metroid a big hit on a Nintendo platform? Because that's always been the thing. It's always done okay, but never been one of the marquee franchises for Nintendo that Nintendo's really wanted to get behind. Because you always see them do a new Mario. You always see them do a new Zelda. You see them reluctant to go ahead and produce a new Metroid. This is going to be a really, really weird statement to make, but it looks like a kind of game that I would be good at. I'm terrible. Like Far Cry 6, first-person shooter, I am terrible at them, despite all of my best efforts. But the way that the gameplay looked, I was like, okay, maybe I can do this. Maybe I could play this one. So it, it could be one that I check out for sure. Also wanted to go ahead and hit you up on this, Melinda, with Giancarlo Esposito, who we a kid on this show last year that he was the hottest actor on the planet with what he was doing with the boys and what he was doing with the Mandalorian. Well, he has this Far Cry 6 game that's come out. It's an extension of that IP series, a very popular first-person shooter series, which, again, you said you weren't very good at. but So bad at them, and I try so hard. <laughs> he is the ruthless dictator, which I'm sure is such a stretch for his acting abilities because we've never seen him as a bad guy before. <laughs> I'm, kid, I'm kidding when I say that. Yes. He, he does a great job, again, of just, as I said earlier in the show, chewing up the scenery this time as a ruthless dictator in an, in an island nation that you're trying to go ahead and be part of the rebellion from, and you craft tools to go ahead and make different types of guns and weapons to go ahead and fight off the enemies and try to go ahead and overtake the, the throne and the mantle, turning, as it were. Turning red flags blue. Exactly. So I want to hear your thoughts on Far Cry 6. I think this game can perform well. I know that October is going to be the starting point where you're going to see this is where you start seeing the big hits because Call of Duty is the, around the corner. Battlefield 2042 is around the corner. I mentioned Halo Infinite. That's coming around the corner. There's all these games that are coming between now and Black Friday. Well, actually, I'm sorry. Now and the first week of December, there's right. all these games coming out. This is one of the first major releases outside of FIFA 22 that has come out within the past few days. And of course, I mentioned Metroid Dread, but your thoughts on Far Cry 6, if this is something that I know you said you weren't good at, but mm -hmm. how does it look to you? This is something that can really resonate with an audience? Yeah, I think so. The things that I watched and, and the things that I know about the, the Far Cry series, I know that there have been, you know, some, some issues in the game. And uh, while they seem, to, from what I've watched, to have fixed those in Far Cry 6, there's different issues that crop up and it has to do with like your inventory and stuff like that so will it be perfect i don't know that any video game truly is absolutely not these perfect. days they, yeah. they all come out with bugs yeah there's always something right so you know luckily i don't think it's gonna be as tough as the cyberpunk release was <laughs> wow but i would feel comfortable picking up this game and, and giving it a shot 
There you go. And again, if people want another amazing performance by Giancarlo Esposito, one can only need to turn to Far Cry 6. It is the latest first-person shooter game. It's come out Ubisoft's latest release, and it's something that I think a lot of people are really going to get into. But we want to hear your thoughts on that game as well. If you have thoughts on Metroid Dread and Far Cry 6, please share it with us, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com or Pop Culture Cosmo on Twitter or any one number of our Pop Culture Cosmos social media sites, including Facebook, where we are the number one tabletop RPG streamer. But Melinda, it's been a great episode. I cannot thank you enough, as always, for stopping by. But before we head on out, do, 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 who are you? I know, I know. I am so excited to see Jim Brass and Gil Grissom back on my TV. I, you don't even understand. And here's the worst part, Gerald. I forgot that last night was the premiere because I was editing the podcast for Vampires and Vitae last night until like the wee hours of the morning. I completely spaced on it last night. So I've got to go in and I've got to find a way to watch it. The thing, though, is that why do I still want to continue this series? Because I watched so much of the original series. It was at one time the number one show in the entire world. I was obsessed with this show. I was obsessed with it. It was on Alfie. (laughs) When the story itself focuses on the main part of what's going on, even though there was a very curious thing. And when you watch it, please DM me on this, Melinda, as far as the Fremont Street experience scene. That's all oh, I'll say. There's, okay. there's a, there were scenes that were actually shot on Fremont Street Experience. There's nothing. There's no way they could have done this out of a studio in L.A. like they do most of their stuff. Sure. Yeah, because and you know I have a soft spot for that Fremont Experience. I, I love it. It's the, the best to people watching on the planet. Okay. Well, there, there, there's just a scene there. I want you to go ahead and DM me on that. Okay. But there were some logistical issues within the whole framework of the show. But the reason why I say you got to stick with it is because just to have Sarah Seidel and Gil yes. Grissom back yes. on your TV screen just to do what they're doing. And when it clicked, there were times it clicked and it clicks better than any CBS show has. Amazing. I've not been the biggest fan of CBS shows. I think they're formulaic. A lot of them are really not that well done. When a show like this comes on and it clicks, when it does, it's better than anything CBS has. And I'm so disappointed in the fact that it's only 10 episodes for this season. I'm hoping yeah. that it will find a large audience once again and become a standard bearer and a foundation for the network going forward because I thought the whole CSI concept is much better than NCIS. And I know people are going to send me hate mail as far as that for certain because I've never really gotten to NCIS. I really think CSI was much better. Uh, I think it's better than FBI. I think it's better than – but again – It's something that if they'll just let this main story play out, because it is a part one, kind of, we don't know if it's going to go part two or more, but it is something I'm very interested in continuing with. And like I said, when it clicked, it clicked so well. Yeah. I wonder if part of the reason why some of those character developments and and relationship developments were so rushed was because it's only 10 episodes. Maybe that's why, but mm. I'm, again, it is something that I'm so excited to still continue. Even with all the stuff that's going on, even with all the flaws, it is still something that I saw my way through the flaws to see what was clicking and clicking so well. And I'm looking yeah. forward to continuing that series. And again, I haven't said that about a CBS series in quite a long time. Well, it's, it's, it's hard to see a CSI with Gil Grissom and, and be mad about it. I'd love to see them go off again, start CSI Vegas, then do CSI San Diego because they talk about San Diego a lot. And San Diego was actually where Grissom and Sarah Seidel were in the first place. And I know Nick 
was actually sent to San Diego. If you saw the last episode right. of the original series, he went to San Diego. So picking up with CSI San Diego, would love to see that. I would love to see a whole series of CSI shows once again. I know that for a while, CSI was the top of the heap and the king of the mountain, but I'd love to see them get back on top again. Yeah, for sure. Oh, wait, CSI. What was it? CSI Miami? CSI Miami. And then they had CSI. Ooh, oh, yes. Doing, <laughs> yes. David Chris. Yes. <laughs> I had to. I'm sorry. Got to yeah. do, do the David Chris. I know you killed him. And I know why. <laughs> So good. so good. And then you had Gary Sinise and CSI New York. Yeah, yes. that was that was a solid show. So again, it is CSI Vegas. I'm looking forward to great success, returning some of the beloved characters and creating some new ones. We'll go ahead and check that out. But if you are interested in becoming a member of the CSI fan club, once again, what are your thoughts on CSI Vegas? Who are you going to go ahead and check out the latest episodes from CSI Vegas as it once again returns to CBS television? Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, Melinda, it's been a great episode. I cannot thank you as always for joining us. As the always hostess, a pleasure. As the fellow host, the hostess of the show, the hostess with the mostest. Any <laughs> last thoughts on the way out? Watch CSI. Let's bring that show back. We deserve that show. That is the show we deserve. Yes, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. And again, who are you? I'm hoping you are someone that's going to help CSI Vegas be on full time next season. So for Melinda Barkhouse, this is Gerald Glassman. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself. Agree. Uh,